0: Hello, my name's Christiana, and welcome to the Oceanside Community Church podcast. We're a church in Parksville on Vancouver Island, with a vision to be fully devoted children of God, fully mature in Jesus Christ, and fully alive with the Holy Spirit. We welcome you to join us weekly on this journey. For more information about our church, visit our website at oceansidecommunitychurch.ca or download our mobile app. We pray that you'll be blessed and equipped by today's teaching. What a great day to be with uh, the people of God and uh, excited to share the Word of God uh, with you this morning. So if you don't mind, why don't you stand with me one more time as we go to the Word of God and we're going to go to the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there. If you don't have a Bible, uh, I encourage you to bring one. And also, there's always some on the table right when you walk in at the back of the sanctuary. And you can grab one. Uh, and you can even uh, keep one. Take it home with you. Give it to a friend or whatever if you'd like. Um, but Colossians 1 through 4, if you ever trouble finding it, just remember Gentiles eat pork chops. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's how I remember. A little Bible humor for you. Those are the four books that are hardest to remember the order, for me anyway, so I just think Gentiles eat pork chops. Okay, Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 29, Paul says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. May God bless the reading of his word, and may it take root in our hearts. Amen. You may be seated. Well, today is uh, International Day of Prayer for the persecuted Church, and we don't do something every year, but decided to uh, this year. And the main purpose is to pray and to bring awareness to persecuted Christians around the world, where uh, over 360 million Christians face persecution because they bear the name of Christ. And that's one in every seven Christians worldwide. Christians remain the most uh, persecuted group of people in the world. Today, just last year in 2021, 4,761 Christians were killed for their faith, 4,488 churches and other Christian buildings were attacked, and 4,277 believers were detained without trial or arrested or sentenced or in prisons. What is actually amazing is the incredible growth of the church in these areas despite the oppression and the willingness and courage of many believers to risk their lives for Jesus. And so the main purpose is to remember and pray for our sisters and our brothers in Christ. But a secondary purpose is to prepare our own selves as the church for persecution, which Jesus promised would come, and even more so as we draw closer to His return. So uh, in Canada, we enjoy uh, religious liberty for now, but there's no doubt the current uh, trajectory of our nation is to enact pressure on Christians to conform to governmental values or else face discrimination. And just two of many recent examples is the uh, current government aim to make uh, any organization that would counsel against abortion or that would be pro-life to make those ineligible for charitable status. Or the recent advisory report that recommends Canada uh, no longer hire military chaplains who are affiliated with a religious group whose values do not conform to the defense team's uh, promotion of diversity. And in other words, what that possibly could mean is that any chaplain from faith groups such as evangelicals, Catholics, or Pentecostals would not be considered for employment simply due to their biblical beliefs on sexuality or any other topic. And I could give uh, many other examples, and we plan to discuss some of those in the new year and as time goes on. But what you need to know is that discrimination, persecution, who knows, even martyrdom could be coming to this generation of Canadian believers. But it shouldn't surprise us, because Jesus said to expect it. Violence and discrimination against Christians is the norm in much of the world. And although we should uh, advocate for religious liberty, and I'm not talking about you know, posting rants on social media that do more harm than good, I'm talking about writing respectful letters to your MP getting involved in constructive ways like promoting the good that your local crisis pregnancy care center does in the community or that your local church does in the community and the health that they provide to society. But although we should get involved in those ways, probably the most important thing we can and should do is strengthen our faith, is to resolve to follow Jesus as we just committed in baptisms no matter what may come and be a part of a praying, Jesus-loving, supporting, and strong Christian community. Because we need to be prepared to share in Christ's sufferings and to be persecuted for the sake of his name. And, you know, being on our own or being isolated from Christian community is not going to be enough to make it when persecution comes, right? We will end up being... uh, Swayed by the spirit of the world, either out of fear or out of our weak faith. And and I see it all the time beginning to happen as people slowly withdraw from Christian community. And that's not going to work when persecution comes because we need each other and we are stronger when we are together in numbers, when we publicly gather to show the world in a prophetic act that this is important to us, that this is needed. And it does matter if you take this away from us. And persecution, uh, you know, as history proves, persecution could be one of the best things to happen to the Canadian church or a church in other countries because although it will likely initially shrink in number when persecution comes, it will become stronger eventually and more vibrant and more passionate and more prayerful and more battle-tested and then will begin to grow. And we see that pattern. So I want to move us to our text this morning in Colossians 1 in order to strengthen our hope and resolve and to redirect our attention and imaginations to who Jesus is even in the midst of suffering and difficulty in the church. And specifically, I'm going to talk about five things Christ is or does in relation to the church, five things to remember about Jesus And my goal is simply to just proclaim the supremacy of Christ over all of these situations that we're talking about and draw encouragement this morning from this text and who Jesus is. So uh, I hope your heart is open. I hope you love Jesus and are ready to follow him. So let's go. Uh, Christ and the persecuted church, five things to remember. And number one is that Christ set the example for us of suffering. Verse 24, Paul says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. Well, why could Paul do this? Why could he rejoice in his sufferings? Because he knew he was following in the footsteps of Jesus, his master, who was essentially the first persecuted Christian and therefore set the example for us. He says, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in Christ's afflictions. And of course, the suffering on the cross is not what is in view here. There's no lacking there on the cross, but suffering in the proclamation of the true gospel, that we can take comfort in knowing we share these sufferings with Christ. And they are an expected continuation of his sufferings when we suffer, and that Christ suffers when we, his body, suffers. Because He is its leader and its head, which brings us to the second point, that He owns the body. The second half of verse 24 says, "...for the sake of His body, which is the church." You can't truly enter into the sufferings of Jesus, as we're all called to do, outside of His body, the church. Our sacrifice is for the sake of His body, and if you start sacrificing, And the Christian life will uh, bring you to a position of that to sacrifice our time and our money and our energy and our relationships and more. But if you start sacrificing for some other reason, for the sake of being recognized or receiving applause from others or for anyone or anything except Jesus and His church, you will become disillusioned and disappointed. The only thing that enables us to persevere in suffering and sacrifice for the kingdom of God is knowing that we are sharing in the sufferings of Christ and that we do it for the sake of His body, which is the church. We do it for Him and for each other. So let's get to work together on building up the body of Christ, the body of Jesus, which is the church, to get on the inside of it and strengthening it rather than standing on the outside or complaining about things that aren't perfect because that will just always be the case. And that's easy to do, but the stakes are too high to do that. The time is too short to do that. So because Jesus owns the body, his church, number three, he appoints its leaders. Verse 25. Paul says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. See, even in the midst of persecution, even in tough times for the church, God is still calling women and men to lead his church. Even though they know persecution, even death awaits them. Uh, You may note that here in Canada, uh, we're approaching a major Clergy shortage in the decades to come. Uh, you heard Hannah read the list of all the churches that are without uh, a pastor right now, looking for one a few weeks ago. And this should concern the church who is already under threat. And there are several reasons uh, for the shortage. Uh, there are spiritual reasons, of course. Uh, we need to pray, we need to encourage the call of God upon young people, we need to create space for God encounters for them. We need to invest in young people. Part of the sacrifice in a way that we make as a church is, is investing full-time staff and kids and youth ministries. And that was a huge step of faith for us as a church. But those you know, ministries don't necessarily, of course, generate revenue. It has to come from our hearts of wanting to invest in the next generation of islanders to leave a legacy. And Thomas and Ellie do such a great job providing these opportunities for young people through uh, the weekly youth ministry and kids programs and camps and conferences and more. And you should know that our youth group has been steadily growing over the last couple years. And right now, Tuesdays are, it's bumping in here. Uh, There's people all over the place. It's awesome. But the spiritual battle for the next generation is the number one reason, of course, for the shortage and should be the focus. But, you know, there are also sociological reasons. I mean, there are just demographic realities that as uh, the boomer generation retires and the significant number of those people, it's replaced with uh, a less population to choose from for future church leaders. But sadly, actually, one of the main reasons we're told for the shortage is actually economic, that people know they can make more money doing something else that maybe they can buy a house or whatever, and they're not willing to sacrifice to become a servant by the commission God gives, as Paul says here. And that troubles me because there are people in other countries accepting the call when they know it might cost them their life. And here we're having trouble with people accepting the call because it might cost us a convenient or comfortable lifestyle. Now the flip side of that is, sure, you know, as a church, we need to give generously so that churches can provide a livable income for clergy and as pastors, and that is a part of the solution, particularly in other areas up north and different places, uh, so that we can be funding those works and those missions, so that people can answer the call of God, to present God's word as their life calling. But despite the prediction of a sort of a shortage, I don't think there will be an exodus of believers or Christian leaders, because I believe, verse 25, that Jesus will continue to appoint leaders and call them as he promises here. And we can lean into that promise, and we've seen him do it. And I've seen him do it. We've seen him do it here. I've seen him do it in my own life, where God just spoke to Hannah and I and said, go to Parksville and proclaim the word of God in its fullness and he will do that for other places. The fourth thing to remember is he is the hope and the message of the church. Paul proclaims in verse 27 that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Well, what will strengthen us in the midst of persecution? Well, nothing more than having the living God living within us. That hope is the anchor of of the soul Hebrews 6:19 so that even in persecution we are able to cling to this sure and certain and strong hope and the hope and as the hope of the church Jesus is therefore the main message of the church verse 28 he is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ To be a strong church that will withstand suffering and persecution, Christ must be the constant feature of what we preach, not self-help, not political agendas, but Jesus. And if we don't focus on Him, we won't become fully mature in Christ, and that's a part of our uh, vision statement. We draw that straight from this scripture, that we would be fully mature in Jesus Christ. And then lastly, as we consider the future of the global church, and in particular, the persecuted church, we remember that Christ empowers his church. Verse 29, Paul says, To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I love this verse. It's one of my favorites. He says, all the, the energy, the energia. it's the noun form. And then it says, Christ so powerfully works in me. And it's actually the same word, energeo, the verb form. So it's kind of this idea that he continually energizes me with his energy that he puts within me. Where does that energy come from? Well, it comes from the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit in us, giving us all we need, even in the midst of persecution and difficulty, that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in you, Romans 8.11. So let the so-called energy of Christ through his Holy Spirit energize. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, or download our mobile app for more content. If you're in the area, we hope to see you soon. Until next time, may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you as you live by His Spirit.